0: Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad to have you join us today, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on our YouTube channel. We're just delighted that you have tuned in and uh, for the service. And I hope you've enjoyed the service so far, and we uh, pray that God would bless you through this message. We uh, want to turn our attention to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Acts chapter nine, verses one through nine. We want to just carry a thought today. You haven't gone too far. You haven't gone too far. As we turn to this familiar passage for Bible readers, for born-again Christians, you've heard this passage preached, you've heard this passage taught, you've heard this, um, it discussed so much about Paul's life before he actually became Paul. But today, we want to look at this passage and just carry the thought, you haven't gone too far. So as you're turning there, we want to catch up to here because we're not, we're not in the verse that we ended on last week. What we do know is last week, we looked at the results of the death of Stephen, and we found that great persecution against the church arose at his death. However, this persecution, it, it, what it did was cause believers to scatter. Now, on the surface, this may have seemed like a bad thing, but, but what I'm learning the further I go in life is things aren't always as they seem. We found that while this persecution led many believers to scatter, it moved the preaching of the gospel beyond Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria. The persecution may have scattered the believers, however, it didn't silence the believers. Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ and, and this led multitudes To believing the gospel as as people were freed of unclean spirits, the lame was made to walk and there was great joy that flowed throughout the city. And as we begin to approach chapter 9, we find this young man, Saul, who was causing havoc of the church in Jerusalem. He's now even more upset. If you turn with me, look here in chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate. nor nor drink this is God's holy word pray with us god as we look to your word today we are so dependent upon you god we know we can do nothing without you we can't understand we can't proclaim we can't we can't have understanding without you so god we pray that you would be in the midst of the preaching today that whatever said and done would bring glory to you and would magnify your son God, we ask that you would anoint these lips of clay that you would hide me behind the cross that God, you would speak that where they would not see me but they would hear from you. God, we pray that those who are listening would take your word and apply it to their lives and, and God, live a life in service to you understanding that life can only be lived fully when we're serving you. God, for those who don't know you, for the forgiveness of sin through your Son Jesus Christ, help them to see through this message that they can't go too far, and they haven't went too far to where that your love would run away from them, or your forgiveness would avoid them. But God, that you stand with outstretched arms awaiting for them to come into the fold. So now, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move and minister according to your will and according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Now we may ask as we're reading this and just thinking about events that have taken place up to now is why would Saul be so angry toward the church when they weren't bothering him? The truth is whenever our efforts are met with resistance, we often respond with frustration and anger. So now let's let's just look at that statement there for a minute. Have you ever seen where things didn't go in a direction one group intended, due to another group seeming to be better prepared? Have you often seen a group who didn't get their way concede peaceably? No. Usually what happens is they, when they feel that they're right, but things don't go their way, they dig their heels in the sand and they look for a way to retaliate against their opposition. And we see this all throughout society. If you watch the news, if you read the news, if you if you've been alive and not been under a rock any at all in the last several years, we've seen this play out right before us. Whether especially in the political world, and I know the political world gets beat up when we're talking about things such as this, but but when you think, look at the political world on a on a national level, we see how. How when one side doesn't get their way, they're retaliating against another side. We see even in the state, this same thing happens. And it seems to be even more prevalent locally. But you know what? It doesn't just happen in politics. It even happens in the church. Oh, I I know you're thinking, no, this couldn't happen in our church. Well, why else do you think churches split? When a church splits, do you honestly and truthfully believe that it's of God? If so, if you truly believe that it was of God that we split, then what are you doing with 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, which says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God's the author of peace, not confusion. And whenever there's a church split, you can bet believe someone is confused over what's going on. Whether it's a young convert, whether it's a child, whether it's a teenager, whether it's somebody who's been watching that old saint for all their lives to see just how you live for the Lord as they see chaos going on in the church, it's nothing but confusion. And I promise you, according to the word of God, God is not in it. Now, I'm not foolish enough to claim to know who is out of God's will and who's out of God's will. Whether it's the group that stayed or the group that left. I'm not here to judge or to to say who was at fault or who was out of God's will. What I'm saying is that God didn't orchestrate it. He did not orchestrate the confusion that came about so that the people of God, the children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, would no longer want to speak to one another or fellowship together with each other. Many churches today, we they exist simply because someone got angry and they were met with resistance. But let me be clear, no matter which side you're on, there's never a time when God doesn't love you. If you've never been saved, You've never, if you found yourself resisting God and diving deeper and deeper into sin, I want you to rest assured that you haven't went so far. Neither can you go so far that God's grace can't bring you out of dark and into his marvelous light. When we look in this passage, we begin to see Saul as such an example of this to us. Saul gives us an example of someone who went so far that he intended to hurt Christ. Now, as we approach this passage, we see just how intent Paul was on hurting Christ. It appears that Saul is the most eager persecutor of the church. And as the church was spreading, Saul was intent on slowing down the spread of the gospel. He was intent on slowing down the growth of the church. According to the scriptures, the Bible says that he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This indicates to us that Saul was consumed with rage against those who talked and who preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. The picture is that Saul was breathing in and taking into his heart the evil of destroying Christ and his disciples. What we know is, is, is that what is in the heart, it comes out. As a matter of fact, Luke six forty five says, a, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Folks, we've got to come to terms with this. We've got to come to terms with the fact that that whatever is in our heart, it does come out. That tells us that, that our heart is a wicked thing. And if God, if our heart isn't given to God, the word God can, can transform our heart, then nothing's gonna truly change about us. We've heard it time and time again, or someone will declare something and then they have to back up and they say, Well, well, you know my heart. I, I really didn't mean it that way. Well, if you said it, that's exactly what was in your heart. It doesn't matter how you try to sugarcoat it. It don't matter how you walk back and and try to apologize for it. What came out is exactly what you were thinking and what was in your heart in that moment. Here Saul was given over to rage He was making threats because that's what was in his heart. He hated that the gospel was going forth, but he wasn't just giving over to rage. He was set on destroying everyone who was of the way, everyone who was of the way of Jesus Christ, everyone who was of the way of the teachings of the apostles, everyone who was of the way of following Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior, Consumed by his arrogance, consumed by his anger, he actually went to the high priest and asked for letters, giving him permission to go to the synagogues of Damascus to arrest men and women who received and shared the message of the gospel and to bring them back to be tried. What I want us to pay close attention to is the intent of Saul. He was not accidentally doing these things. He was not being coerced to do these things. He was not doing these things out of ignorance. Instead, he was, his full intent was to silence and to destroy the followers of Jesus Christ. Folks, when Satan approached Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't just happen to slither up on her and, and so happened to find her where she was at. He didn't accidentally bump into her. No, he He set out to hurt God by intentionally deceiving Eve he intended to deceive Eve with the hopes that she would also lead her husband in the same deception down the same rotten path however Satan's intent had nothing to do with Adam it had nothing to do with Eve all they were were pawns in his plan his plan was to hurt God whether we are followers of Jesus Christ or not anytime we set out to harm someone whether it be physically whether Whether it be verbally, whether it be emotionally, we are intent on hurting Jesus Christ. John 13 and 35 says, by this we know, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Mark 12 and 31 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, folks, if we love, if we fail to love one another, we're failing to love God. According to Scripture, we can't love God without loving one another. How can we love someone who we haven't seen and not and hate those that we have seen? It's not possible. And if we're intentionally trying to hurt someone, if we're setting out to disgrace someone if our if our desire is to step on someone's neck to get our way the intent really is to hurt jesus it's not to hurt them why why do i say that it's because he left the splendor of heaven to come to this sin cursed world. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 gives us a clear picture of why we can say this. Being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, be, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He didn't have to leave glory. He chose to leave glory though he was equal with God he put on a robe of flesh and he suffered just as you and I do in this world there is nothing that we've been through that he can't identify with because he lived in the same flesh that you and I live in he came to this world he lived a sinless life he bled and was crucified he endured his heaven. he endured his heavenly father turning his back on him And he tasted death, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He did all of this out of love for his father and love for you and I. He did this so that we could know that God would never leave us nor forsake us. He did this so that we know that that we would never have to experience the sting of death and that we would have victory over the grave. He did this for us. And when we set out to hurt another human being, we're deliberately intending to hurt Christ. And that's where Saul was. Deliberately intending to hurt Christ. I don't know. Is that where you've been? Just think about it for a while. Truthfully, is there someone that when you hear their name or you see their presence, that you wished you could hurt them? If so, your intention is to hurt Christ. Folks, if we can look around, you look around all over the media, there's many people all throughout this world that's intending to hurt Christ. It's all over the news. It's all over television. It's all over our county. It's all over our communities. People are intending to hurt someone else. But in essence, they're intending to hurt Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Paul gives us this example. But he also gives us an example of how we can be humbled by Christ. Christ. As Saul was on his way to Damascus, suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, a light from heaven shone around him. This light was from God himself, and we know that this light was from God because not only is God the source of light, but he is also the giver of light. First John 1 and 5 says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. John 1 and 4 says, if him being Jesus was life and life was the light of men, in him was life and the light was the light of men. Now, now Saul in the darkness that he is walking in comes face to face with the light of Christ. He appeared to, he heard a voice speak to him and the others heard the voice, but they saw no one. When this light shone upon Saul, he was so gripped that he, he had to just close his eyes. The brightness of this light would not let him open his eyes and he just fell down and bowed his face. The light of God, Jesus Christ, revealed the darkness of Saul. He charged Saul with persecuting him. However, we see that in charging Saul, he wasn't brutish. He had, he had every right to be Every right to be angry, every right to be frustrated, every right to be brutish towards Saul, but he wasn't. Instead, tenderly, he called Saul by name twice. Saul, Saul. He's appealing Saul to, to take what he is what he's about to say seriously. He's appealing to Saul to, to consider the consequences if he doesn't. And folks, there's always consequences to opposing Jesus Christ. Whenever we're rising up against another believer, we're rising up against Jesus Christ Himself. And there will be consequences. Matthew 25 and 40 says, As surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that it's better for us to put a stone around our neck, cast ourselves into the depths of the sea, than it is to hurt one of God's children. It's apparent here, it's Saul knew that the light and the voice and person seen in the midst of the light come from heaven. However, Saul, this zealous religionist who had studied the law and excelled above his peers, did not know who was speaking to him. It's clear evidence of his lostness. What do you mean by that? Well, John 10 and 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Folks, if we don't know the voice of Jesus, then we don't belong to him and he don't belong to us. But if we've ever heard his voice and we've received him as our Lord and Savior, then we know his voice and a stranger we won't follow. Saul, being frightened, he humbled himself and he asked, Who are you? It seems here that Saul knew that it was the Lord. However, he didn't know the Lord. And this becomes apparent with men and women who are under conviction of the Holy Spirit. They know the Lord is knocking on their heart, calling them to salvation, but they don't know the Lord of salvation. I was speaking with a gentleman yesterday and, or, or Friday, and as I was speaking with him, he, he shared with me, I, I know what I need to do. I know, I know that I've, I've, I've got to get, uh, I get in a better place, and the only way I can get in a better place is to know Jesus. He believes Who Jesus is. He believes he's the son of God. He believes that he was, he came born of a virgin. He believes that that Jesus is, lived a sinless life and he died for our sins and he arose on the third day. He believes he's standing at the right hand of the father. He believes this with all his heart, but he doesn't know Jesus because he hasn't had a transforming uh, encounter with him to where he's made him his Lord and savior. And it becomes so apparent, so many people we know. They know all about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Well, I want to tell you what's true. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, is Lord. Make no mistake. He's not just a great man. He's not just the greatest teacher or preacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He is not just a life giver. He is God. God the Son, the second head, the second person of the Godhead. He is Lord. And we can't mistake that. As Saul seems to realize He had been rebelling against the God. He should have known. Jesus identifies himself and states, it's hard to kick against the the goads. King James says the pricks, but the goads. In other words, Jesus is telling Saul, it's hard to kick against his own conscience. Here, Jesus is aware of Saul's struggles and and he's closing his mind to the fact that he had it wrong. He refused to hear the gospel as Stephen and the apostles preached this truth. And if he had heard heard it as truth, it would mean that his teachers and his forefathers had it wrong. Instead, he chose the hard way of life. And what made it hard is that no matter how long or no matter how hard so kicked against God, he could not win. And every man, woman, boy, girl who rebels against God chooses a hard way. They choose a difficult life. A life filled with uncertainty. You can run. You can hide. You can even fight against the Lord. But you can't win against God. He is the creator. And we are his creation. Can the clay tell the potter fix me this way or that way? No. We are in the potter's hands. Isaiah 64 and 8 says. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You Our potter and all we are, the work of your hand. So we find Saul trembling under the weight of his sin. I said it's Paul, but it's Saul in this point, in this case, in this text. He's trembling under the weight of his sin. Saul surrendered to the Lord and he called out, Lord, what do you want me to do? Folks, we need to notice that Saul was riding high. He was satisfied in his intent to hurt our Lord. But now, God has brought him low. Saul is humble to the point that he is surrendering to the Lord. Notice that once Saul comes face to face with the Lord, it didn't matter how ruthless Saul was. It didn't matter how educated Saul was. It didn't matter what authority Saul come under. When he come face to face with the Lord, he couldn't put up a fight. He had to surrender. On Friday, I spoke with another gentleman, a broken father. He was broken over his son who he said was filled with evil. He was broken over a daughter who he said was consumed with the addiction of drugs. But this man understood and he believed that there is one who could deliver them. He understood that they, had gone, they hadn't they had gone too far from the love and the forgiveness of the Lord. As we prayed together, he wept, desiring a life-transforming tra- confrontation between his children and the Lord because he knows that if they have this confrontation with God, they can't win and they'll have to surrender to the Lord. Some of you have been praying for your loved ones and they don't seem any closer to the Lord than when you first started praying for them. Some may may seem to be worse than what they were before you started praying, but don't be discouraged. We can't see what God's doing right now in their lives. What we know is they haven't gone too far into sin, that God can't humble them. For if they come face to face with the Lord, they are no match for him. So keep on praying. Galatians 6 and 9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. How do we know that Saul's conversion was genuine? Because he followed the Lord in obedience to his word. Saul did just what the Lord told him to do. He arose and he went to the city. And for three days he was blind with no sight. Three days he didn't eat or drink. And he was led by others. With no sight, Saul was left to think about his confrontation with the Lord and ponder on how gracious the Lord was with him. Do you remember that? when you had your confrontation with the Lord and when you got by yourself, you just started thinking of how gracious God had been with you. Listen, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's been very gracious with you and he's being gracious with you right now. You may think you've gone too far in sin that the Lord don't and won't love you, but I can assure you you're wrong. He does love you right now, Where you are, he will receive you if you call on him. Are you ready to call on him? There's simply no good that will come out of you fighting against the Lord. So are you ready? Are you ready to recognize that you haven't gone too far? Are you ready to recognize that? everything that you've done against the word of God, everything that you've done to hurt people, you've done nothing but intentionally hurt Christ. Are you ready to acknowledge that soon and very soon you will be humbled? You can humble yourself and have that confrontation with him now and surrender to him, or if you wait too late. What I mean by waiting too late is You wait until your last breath is drawn on this side of life. And you step into eternity. (laughs) Step into eternity. And then have to have a confrontation with Christ. Who will be seated on a great white throne. You will hear him say, depart from me. For I never knew you. Trust me, you will bow down. And you will acknowledge him as Lord. The choice is, will you do it now? While the blood's running, warming your body. Or will you wait and be cast into an everlasting pit of fire and brimstone? The choice is yours. The choice is yours. You haven't gone too far that today you can't come to him. No, you haven't gone that far because today is the day of salvation. Would you today? Oh, would you just, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, would you pray with me? God, we, we thank you for your patience with me. God, I've come to acknowledge and understand that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He left your presence He left the splendor of heaven and come to this sin-cursed world. Took on a robe of flesh. Lived a sinless life. And died a sinner's death. God, he died my death. So that I could have life in him. God, I believe he arose on the third day. I believe... He is now at the right hand of the Father, and I believe the Holy Spirit is calling me to you. So God, I ask that you forgive me of my sins, and I receive Jesus as my Savior. Oh, thank you, God, for loving me, for not rejecting me, for me, God, for not allowing me to wait until I had to stand before you In eternity. God thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Now lead me. As I continue in this journey. Walking with your son. Guide me through your Holy Spirit. And I'll praise you for all that's accomplished. I'll magnify the name of Jesus. And I'll follow your spirit's leading. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you prayed this simple prayer and you meant it from your heart and you were convinced today that you have been born again, oh, just let us know. Let us celebrate this with you. Oh, if this has taken place in your life, you can be assured on the authority of God's word, the angels in heaven are celebrating. And we'd love to celebrate with you. Just inbox us, comment in, either on Facebook or YouTube. Call us. Send a message. Leave a message here at the church. We'll get it out that someone, and we'll call you by name, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we'll give God praise for it all. Oh, He's worthy to be praised today. He's worthy. Because you haven't gone so far that He doesn't steal love you I pray that God richly blesses you Reedy Branch. we love you we miss you keep us in prayer keep the leadership of the church in prayer as we continue to try to make decisions that would not only honor God but would be best for our congregation again we love you we look forward to seeing you again Pray God blesses you.